episode 14 of Dope Nostalgia. It's so great to be with you. My name is Naomi. I'm in day 20 something of isolation. It's not coming up. Tomorrow will be four weeks. Yeah, tomorrow will be four weeks. Um, I'm locked down pretty good. <laughs> I gotta say, like, I really have no interest in going out there right now, to be honest with you. So I'm doing okay with this. Like, I wouldn't call myself an introvert. I'd say maybe an extroverted introvert where I like socializing in public and whatnot. But there's times where I'd just rather be by myself as well. So I'm doing all right as long as there's internet, as long as there's video chats and got myself a Zoom Pro account, got a few games that we can play online with people and got some wine and beer. I'm, I'm okay. I'm set. <laughs> that's, that's the good life. Doing my best to stay positive in this situation. Um, but as long as you know, I've got you guys out there, things are good. I really encourage you to interact with the show. Now, we've been doing this show for, like I said, episode 14. We're at three months almost here. And I really, really want to interact more with you guys. I know there's people out there listening who uh, have decided or not, maybe if they're going to participate in the show. You can come on as a guest if you're interested in talking about a specific artist. Just email us, of course, at dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Um, any feedback you want to give as well. We want to do topics such as your guys' favorite things from the 90s, like fashion, uh, toys, all those kinds of things. Or if you're looking to hear a certain commercial from back in the day, um, I've been throwing those in the podcast for a while. That is so much fun for me. I hope you guys are enjoying it just as much as I am. We've got a guest on today that is an old friend of mine. Um, He's now living in Calgary. He runs his own podcast called The Soundtrack to a Life. He'll be telling you more about it and where you can find it. We decided to research a band that is honestly the strangest electronic band that I can remember from back in the day. Just because they did a lot of new things with sound. They seemed to hate their own success. They were the first time I ever saw a country music mashup with a pop or electronica song. Um, we got legend Tammy Wynette did a, did a tune with them that was really, really, really big. And I'm going to tell you all more about this artist coming up right now. This is the KLF. Wikipedia Moments. The KLF, also known as the Justified Ancients of Moo Moo, the Jams, the Time Lords, and so many other names, were one of the seminal bands of the British Acid House movement during the late 1980s and early 1990s. Beginning in 1987, Bill Drummond and Jimmy Cotty released hip-hop-inspired and sample-heavy records as the Justified Ancients of Moo Moo. As the Time Lords, they recorded the British number one hit single, Doctor in the Tardis. Is that how you say it? I've never seen Doctor Who. And documented the process of making a hit record in a book, The Manual, How to Have a Number One the Easy Way. As the KLF, Drummond and Cotty pioneered Stadium House and Ambient House. The KLF released a series of international hits on their own KLF Communications record label and became the biggest selling singles act in the world in 1991. This song right here. Probably one of their biggest hits. It's the one that's most memorable to me because of that crazy video. And you got Tammy Wynette singing the leads. 
And it's the first country mashup that I could ever think of with EDM. You know? It's kind of cool. So, this is Justified and Ancient. Check it out. Secondly, we were trying to get an interview with the guys. No go. Can't get a hold of them yet. That could change. Maybe they'll hear about this episode and want to come on the show. Let us know. The rapper in this song unfortunately passed away in 2013, Ricardo DeForce. He was also the rapper in the band Entrance. Let's bring out our buddy Munzee. Chris Monroe's here to talk KLF with us. I want to welcome everybody to Dope Nostalgia. This is the very first time I'm doing a video feed as well for the show. Because that's like you said, that's how life's going to be for a while. It's all going to be on video from now on. That's right. For a long, for the rest of humanity. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm trying to stay optimistic, so that's how you do it. (laughs) Live. That's true, because whatever happens from here, it's going to be all up. I hope so. Yeah. I'm going to uh, introduce everybody to Chris Monroe is my guest today. And uh, he's a big fan of the band we're going to talk about. Um, Chris, tell everybody about your podcast before we get started. Well, I am Chris Monroe. Uh, I am the host of a show called The Soundtrack to a Life. Basically what happens is um, on the 1st and the 15th of the month, I have a guest on. And they bring me an album that is emotionally important to them that I have never heard. And then they walk me through it and I give my first impressions of a piece of music that I've never heard. And then uh, I do the same for them. I have a list of albums that have meant something to me and they pick something that they've never listened to before. And they come back with their first impressions of it and we talk about it from there. Now, how many episodes are you in now? The 61st episode drops tomorrow as we record this. That's good. You have a body of work there. Definitely. And where can people find it? Uh, Soundtrack Cast on Facebook and Twitter and SoundtrackCast.com. Also Apple and every app that someone has ever told me they were looking for it for and could not find it. (laughs) I was trying to find it on Spotify. That's my go-to. I still got to get it on Spotify. Okay. Okay. I'm not because I'm a, I'm an Android person. I'm a PC person. I don't have any any um, Apple stuff anymore, so I have a hard time finding things. I mean, you truly don't need it anymore. No. Only reason I still get my uh, Apple my podcasts on Apple is because it had already been arranged the way I like it, and I'm too lazy to change it now. You're gonna get a lot of listeners through Apple, but hey, have you ever had somebody say? That they absolutely hated the album that you were showing them? Or or has it ever gotten, like, really rowdy or anything like that? It's never gotten rowdy. I have definitely given music to people who did not appreciate it. I had to bring in a gentleman from Australia to listen to the Tragically Hip because no one in Canada doesn't know the Tragically Hip already. Uh It will... It will not surprise you to learn that some of the Canadiana does not export. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I'm not a hip fan myself. And I, that's a very been a hard thing to say publicly over the last couple of years. It's something you just don't really say in Canada um, since the passing. And the, obviously it's the illness leading into his death of Gordowney. Um, 
but I never really liked any of their songs. I I like one song, and it's the video um, where they're with the Trailer Park Boys and Don Cherry. They're in it. It's called The Darkest Ones. That oh, song. yeah. That's the only hip song I like. Well, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying a head by the century should replace O Canada as our national anthem. <laughs> I, I think they might put Gord on some money one day. You know, I would I would be very surprised if he doesn't wind up on the ten dollar bill within my lifetime. For some reason, it's the ten that we've chosen to put different people on. I go with the fifty, the fifty I mission cap. Oh, good call. But is the fifty too big of a bill? They want to I put wouldn't... Terry. Talking about Terry Fox, maybe going on some money, right? Yep. I think he's the number one choice to get on money right now. I think he's the biggest Canadian legend who who deserves an honor such as that. I'd buy it. I'd buy it. I could also see in the aftermath of this, uh, Tommy Douglas getting on some money. Yes. We're going to come out of this pandemic really valuing health care. Kiefer's grandpa. Right? Did, I, did you ever hear about the time that Kiefer Sutherland came into my restaurant? No. Last year. It was, I think it was in the summer and I was working at a restaurant in downtown Edmonton and he was in town doing a show because he's like doing blues music and uh, like a country Southern rock type of type of genre show now. Hey, and uh, he was playing at the one year anniversary of the station downtown. And he, he, uh, yeah, he came for both brunch and dinner at my restaurant and I got to serve him. Nice. Oh, such a gentleman. What a cool guy. And we had a really funky, like, vintage lamps on each table. Everyone's different. Um, and he liked the lamp on his table. And he asked me, listen, can I buy this lamp? And I said, uh, I, don't, I don't see why not. But let me just message my boss and find out. Um, and they're like, tell him he can have it if he autographs the table. Just, just sign the table or whatever. Get him a Sharpie. Nice. So I, so, so I pass that on to him and he goes, tell you what, tell you what, no, I'm going to sign this table, but I'm also going to give you a hundred bucks for the lamp. <laughs> and he took it. He ah. took it. Yeah. It was so cool. And like, I, I really like, I, I played it quiet. I was good. Like I didn't let any of the other customers in the restaurant really know that he was there, like, yeah, yeah. but they didn't know it till he left. And then once he was already like down the street, I'm like, did any of you guys see who that was? <laughs> It was amazing. Good. That does seem great. Anyways, that's my my little story. But Tommy Douglas, yeah. A true Canadian hero. Truly tis. Because we definitely don't have an Alberta hero at the moment in charge. <laughs> Man, this would have gone down easier when we had a premiere. Like a real one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, or even or even a bad one like Doug Ford is doing better than our guy. Is that he really? Is, that I is been paying attention to what's happening over in Ontario. They're doing better rent protections than we're doing. Oh, uh he's just telling landlords don't just just be kind. Or yeah. uh, my favorite was when he says I trust the business owners of Alberta to make the right choices. You can't. You can't please, trust the business owners of Alberta to make the right choices. Please don't. No. No, you have to make the call. <laughs> oh. But, alas, this is the world we live in right now, and uh, it's a day-by-day -day situation. So, 
I'm as long as I don't run out of beer and food, I'm content in my introvert world. That is important. Yeah. But it's cool because we have this. We have this opportunity to socialize this way. And I haven't talked to you in years. So I'm so happy to see you. Right? Yeah. Other than other than like brief exchanges over Twitter, it is good to see you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to tell people so you work at Jubilations as well? You're you're in theater. I do. I do. Uh well, I mean, I don't work anywhere now. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm unemployed too. For the first time since I was 17. Exciting times. <laughs> Previous Previous to that, I was uh, doing improv and serving at Jubilations and, uh, Dinner Theater, and I was doing their children's show. I didn't know they had a children's show. They do a children's show every Saturday uh, as a matinee. That's amazing. And I was playing, the, and I was playing the Andre the Giant part in a Princess Bride um, pastiche. Do they? Do the matinee, children's matinee, all across their Canadian locations? Or is it just I, the Calgary one? Uh, it is all three, yeah. Yes, by the way, Chris is coming to us live from Calgary, Alberta. That's very <laughs> We're only true. only about a three-hour drive away. And you guys and get to, to, to go to different, like if you're in cast for Jubilations, you get to travel, right, to the different cities with the production yeah. that travels? Yeah, it is three months in Calgary, three months in Edmonton, and three months in Winnipeg. There you go. Uh, Nothing's changed. Yeah. <laughs> Except distance. That's about it. I still do that's the karaoke true. thing at Rosario's. That's still my thing. Oh, I missed that place. That place was fun. Yeah. I loved when you guys were coming there. But then I know that you guys started going to a different pub that was closer to where you work, which made sense. Yeah, the cast could literally walk up a flight of stairs and they were home. Yeah, that made a lot of sense. But yeah. we definitely missed you guys when you moved over there. It was too far for me to go. I think I went a couple times to visit everybody, but yeah. It was it was the clearly better bar was Rosario's, but you could not argue with that convenience. Nope. Nope, because then it keeps everyone safe too. Like that's you know, safety's when people are drinking, that's the most important. And guess what? There's no drinking and driving happening right now. That's true. That will probably save a bunch of lives. I don't it even won't, think it won't be only... worth it. It's true. I think there's going to be a lot of people like, because honestly, are people still getting together for house parties? I bet you this that some are. I would bet money. So yes, being all sneaky about it and stuff. But see, it's I've been okay because, like I said, I. I am an extroverted introvert, so I like my me time, and I like that. I like as long as I have this, I'm fine. But I'm literally just me and my cat. <laughs> I'm a forty year old with a cat, all home alone, making a podcast. That seems great. I am literally a middle aged white dude with a podcast about his opinions. I am the most cliche. I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, yeah, um, this is our, well, how many, I'm not sure yet when this one's going to air, so I can't really jump the gun on that. But as of today, I released the 12th episode. So we started in January and it's been weekly. Nice. Yeah. How is that? How is it for like planning it out and like, time and all that? Yeah, getting it all done. Because I enjoy it so much, 
uh, super easy that because it's out. something I do for fun. So, yeah, I enjoy the editing. I enjoy the interviews and it's great. It's really great. And I throw in little commercials. Like I'll take like a commercial from the 90s and throw it in. Or uh, don't you put it in your mouth or don't I'll put, put like it some, in your mouth. I'll put some kind of like ex- excerpt of something from that era into into every episode. I've heard you got on um, Apple Podcasts finally. I sure Me- did. Meaning that you beat me there before I got to Spotify, which I apologize for. <laughs> but I wound up getting five or six of them. I was listening to uh, your Color Me Bad one immediately previous to this. That was so exciting. Uh, I bet. Because I didn't expect people to say yes. Yeah. This is our my state of the podcast address. I didn't expect people to say yes, and they did. And I just reached out through their social media, and that's how it got the ball rolling. Because um, I think the more episodes we get out there and other people who I'd like to interview can see who we've had on the show. It'll yeah, be easier to get. Yeah, it'll be easier to get people to appear. Um the one that was just published today was Eric Martin of Mr. Big. Nice. Yeah. So I'm I'm interviewing his bandmate Billy Sheehan tomorrow. Cuz everyone's in quarantine like nope. Yeah, no <laughs> They might have some t- they might have some time on their hands. Um, I don't know if you know this already. Follow Tim Burgess of the Charlatans on Twitter. Oh, you he sent is, me that link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing his listening parties, and they are very good. From the Charlatans of the UK? Yeah. Cool. I don't think I've ever listened to them before. Ooh, damn. You should start. They're very good. <laughs> it is good quality that- summertime fun time music. One thing I'm going to be really interested about, especially if I come on to your show, is the difference in musical uh, taste that you and I might have. I think there's a lot of things that we agree on from looking at the list of albums that, that are our albums that we're going to discuss. Um, there's a few in there that I am big fan of. But I think a lot of the stuff on your list, I'm like, I have no idea about this music. So, nice. hey, that's that's kind of what we want, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Get yeah. people in with fresh eyes. In fact, now that we've talked about it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig up something by the charlatans and have you listen to that. Okay. There. That makes it easy. So when, when I come to your show, that's what you're going to do. And you're going to be listening to an, the third album from the band Extreme called Three Sides to Every Story. That it's is a long correct. album, though. It's a long album. That's all right. I made, uh, I made my buddy Olaf listen to Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness the other day. He was not ah. pleased with its length. <laughs> Was it a double CD? It was a double like CD. It was. Yep. I feel like it was. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so hard. Is Olaf like still in Edmonton or is he down in Calgary? Or? No, he's in Edmonton. Okay. I remember him from years back. Yeah, he's still, uh, yeah, he also came in via Skype. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Um, I have an announcement to make. Now, we have a beer sponsor on the show. A local craft brewery by that's called Analog Brewery supplies all the beer for this show, Joe Nostalgia. And then we tell everybody about their amazing product. Now, it's been almost a month since I went down to pick up some beer. And then I had a couple guests on and we drank all the beer. And then we all went in, into quarantine. So those guys right now are out there delivering beer to people's homes. <laughs> but drop, drop in a... a 
and uh, check out Analog Brewery if you can. Like, I know that they're in the liquor stores in town, too, and probably in Calgary as well. But what I love about their brewery is definitely their 90s retro aesthetic. 80s, 90s, it's all throwback. It's all good beer. If you like IPAs, they have a lot of them. So check that out. But because I ran out of their beer, I had to get Pabst Blue Ribbon PBR. Oh, you never have to have Pabst Blue Ribbon, though. <laughs> Reminder, if you're going to drink some Pabst Blue Ribbon, sobriety is also an option. Pabst, if you want to get at me and sponsor me, I will shut the fuck up about your terrible beer. I'm sure I'm sure they don't want to sponsor any of us. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But PBR, you no, know, it's because like we're in a financial possible crisis as well. So when I decided I was going to get beer, I was going to find a very cheap beer. That checks out. Uh, so anyways, PBR it is. Yep. It's in the budget. And today we are here to chat about a um, the band. KLF. Now, the thing about KLF is that they've had a lot of different names over the years, too, right? Like, Also known as the Justified Ancient Samumu and furthermore known as the Jams. The and Jams. furthermore, furthermore, the Time Lords, the K Foundation, and the One World Orchestra featuring the massive pips and the drums of the Free Children's Free Republic, Volunteer Guards, uh, and the Copyright Liberation Front. I think they just kept changing it for the fuck it. No, no reason at all, just to change I, it up. I would not Pick be shocked by that at all. They have that kind of weird temperament. One thing that struck me about uh, the research that I did for these guys, they kind of seem like they're, they would be dicks. I feel like if I met them that they would be assholes. Do you think I might be off base on that? I feel like they would be an asshole to someone but I don't know if it will be you. I right. think you might have. I think you might have the time of your life listening to them tear down someone or something else. Okay. Yes. That's true. Which... That's true. Like maybe the establishment. Yeah, or the music industry, or their own career once they got tired of being famous. <laughs> the biggest part of their story we're going to get into eventually that struck me was how they tried to kill their own career. I loved it. It is beautiful. <laughs> it's like, like, it like I'm, I can't believe what I'm actually reading right now. Like how they went about doing it. But we'll get there eventually. The two gentlemen, their names, uh, Bill Drummond and Jimmy Cotty. They're the ones behind the KLF. They're the ones that pretty much masterminded all the bands under the different names. Now, when I first, when I think of KLF, to get you guys to understand them, there's two songs that come to mind right off the bat that were big hits. 3 A.M. Eternal. Yep. And Justified and Ancient. And Ooh. Justified and Ancient was a big, big deal because they enlisted Tammy Wynette to be the vocal, the star of the song. And just the mashup of putting country with this electronic pop music was like, this is the first, mashups are normal now. This kind of thing happens quite often, but back then it was not normal at all. It was a weird pairing at the time, yeah. There was these guys and Tammy Wynette, and I think the Pet Shop Boys did a song with Dusty Springfield at approximately this time. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, Dusty, Dusty sang on What Have I Done to Deserve This. Pet Shop Boys, okay. I'm looking that up. And it's... 
It might not be the exact same year, but around the same era. Yeah. Okay. I would also throw in, um, in addition to 3 a.m. Eternal and Justified and Ancient, I'd probably throw What Time is Love in there. Yes. And a couple of years previous to The White Room coming out, uh, Doctor and the TARDIS, if you've heard that one. For the first time, I heard that one today. And it I is. have questions about it. I, yeah. I, I have questions about it. This is under their, their name, Time Lords, the Time Lords. Um, I've never seen Doctor Who in my life. But I understand that the term TARDIS refers to Doctor Who. Here's where you're, you're, you're basically going to be explaining this for dummies right now. <laughs> the song, da, 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 hey, da, 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 that I've heard forever. Is that the theme to the Doctor Who show or is that a that, different song? No, that's a song called uh, Rock and Roll Part 2 by Mr. Gary Glitter. Okay. That they have um, edited together through samples with the Doctor Who theme. And a third unrelated song by, I believe it's Sweet, that 70s, Sweet. yeah. Okay, Ballroom Blitz Sweet. Yep. Got it. Uh, the first part of their career, they spent um, using unauthorized samples and then being sued for that. Their f debut album actually had to be recalled after ABBA became very litigious about a sample that they did not get permission to use. Ah. And they had to uh, take every copy of it that was not already out there in the world to a field and then set them on fire. And then they used pictures of that as the cover to their next record. <laughs> really? Okay. Now, yeah, like early in their career, they were doing a lot of sampling, right? A lot. And I even understand that they did a, a version of Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody and that Arista Records head Clive Davis ended up trying to sign them to Arista to do their, their own music. Is that correct? Or am I reading this all wrong? I believe that's true. Yeah. Okay. Because hence that there's a title there called Whitney Joins the Jams. Yep. What is that? That um, is built around, obviously, Whitney Houston samples. Um, wedded together with their stadium acid house uh, feel. It's fascinating. In 2020, um, looking back, to think that it was very controversial to break down music and then recontextualize it in a different way and have that be because like that war has been won. 
Yeah. <laughs> like that is just what we do now. Yeah. Um, why, why, why would it have been controversial then? Is it a matter of songwriters getting credit for, for samples? Yeah. I believe that the, uh, the original artist wondered why their drum loop or their guitar riff or their vocal sample was on this record. And oh. okay. At, and at the time, nothing like that had ever happened before. Like there was not the context needed for it. I feel like if, well, if you're the, the writer of said sample, you should, now that we live in a world where it's all figured out, you should be happy because you're going to make money off it. Yeah, as, long as, you're as long as you're credited properly, you're going to make money off of it. Um, that one Eminem song was the best thing that ever happened to Dido. Right? I don't think so. Absolutely. But it's funny because, like, I think it was your it, that time period was when the sampling really, really started because there's a lot of songs that came out that I was hearing as a 12-year-old for the first time that I had no idea were hits before that by somebody else. Yep. Tons of them. Tons of them. Starting with, like, You Can't Touch This, MC Hammer. I had no idea about Rick James. Yeah. Right? So then you know years down the road, and years down the road, then I hear the originals, and I go, oh. Um, even, like, My Name is Slim Shady, the original to that. What was that sampling? There's all kinds. Of, everything was sampled. Yeah, if you listen to five specific Stevie Wonder records from the 70s, you will hear the chorus of every 90s rap song. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> the Wild Wild West. Uh, also, I recommend you do so. Stevie Wonder in the 70s turns out to have been good. I love Stevie. His stuff is amazing. Amazing. And so I bet you he made a lot of money off of like Gangster's Paradise. <laughs> I hope so. He deserved to. Yeah. That was one of the few rap songs that all the white kids knew all the lyrics to. Every single one, zero exceptions. Right. It's true. It's true. Uh, but going back to the sampling ish things with, so they, they started their career, the KLF, with definitely doing a lot of that, a lot of sampling. And so they got in trouble from ABBA. That's where we left off there. That is correct. Uh, they then proceeded to use that image on as the cover of their follow-up album. Um, they released a number of one-off singles, each of which I'm sure caused its own share of legal problems, though not to the same <laughs> degree. They did an ambient mix called Chill Out, that is actually very relaxed, although not what I go to them for. And then they followed that up with, and this is where we get to what will probably be the meat, the white room, at which point they were fucking everywhere. Uh, and that would have been probably around the time where they were literally everywhere and they were the biggest selling singles act in the world in 1991. Yes, yes. They were that omnipresent thing that went out, conquered the world immediately. But if you ask people now about the KLF, no one fucking knows who I'm talking about. Any, any millennial would not really, I say like really young millennial, maybe. What is the new new kids? What are they called now? The ones NK that are going this spring? NKOTB? No. no. The ones that are on 
the ones that are going for spring break in Florida and they're like, we don't care about COVID-19. What are those kids called? Oh, the Zoomers? <laughs> okay. I've heard, that? I've heard Zoomers and I've heard Gen Z. Gen Z I've heard. So Gen Z doesn't know who the KLF is. But in 1991, they were the biggest selling singles act in the world, which is a huge thing. That set them for life. Yeah. Or did it? I guess if you destroy your own back catalog, maybe not. <laughs> right? After these messages, we'll be right back. Analog Brewing, winner of three awards at the 2020 Alberta Beer Awards, is a proud sponsor of the Dope Nostalgia podcast. Analog Brewing is now offering delivery within the city of Edmonton with no delivery fee on orders over $40. Go to analogbrewing.ca slash shop. That's www.analogbrewing.ca slash shop and place your order today. When placing an order, you can also pay it forward and take part in their Nurse a Pint program and prepay for a pint for a nurse. Mention this podcast in the order comments so they know we sent you. Analog Brewing, taking beer to the next level. fresh maker it's still not on um they're still not on spotify like they held to that Ooh, i this looked is- them up they have they don't have the actual albums there's two compilation albums that feature klf songs and remixes on spotify right now yeah that is and it's like four it's only the big hit singles like and about three or four re- remixes of each one yeah um you can't even find the tardis song on there yeah, so, that is why um, The White Room and Doctor and the TARDIS on CD single are the only things that I still listen to on compact disc. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, these guys. So they become huge, huge. They do the, the, the Tammy Wynette video. They're all massive rotation on like much music, MTV. They're big. But this gets to them, right? Like they... Is it just that they didn't like fame? What do you think? I mean, I think part of it might have been that they didn't like fame. I think part of it might have been the same kind of spiky, we're making dance music, but we're actually a punk band attitude that caused Uh, them to not, that caused them to not care about getting sued for the first half of their career. Interesting. But they're actually a punk band. That's... You could say that possibly about Chris Shepard because he was making electric music, but deep down he had punk roots. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think probably EMF had a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Like it was clearly dance music, but attitudinally these rather be smashing their gear at the end of the show and then leaping into a mosh pit. This is Radio Freedom. Hey, 
orb does that come way later uh the orb comes way later yeah it's more of a like ambient house type thing from the late 90s i haven't listened to a lot of the orb okay we'll we'll go look at the the orb later on are they both involved in that project both bill Uh, and jimmy i I think it might be just jimmy yeah i think it's only one of them okay um but yeah so so these guys are 92, 91, they're awesome. 92, they suddenly disappear and delete their back catalog. But first, before they did that, they purposely tried to kill their own career. Absolutely. I'd love it if you told the story. (laughs) You can can watch the moment they put a stop to the KLF on YouTube if you want to look it up. I'm going to add it it to our YouTube playlist for the listeners so they can see what they did. Because I, yeah. I haven't seen this moment yet, and I want to. Um, essentially, they show up to the uh, Brit Awards one year to, I believe, accept an award. And for their musical spot, they bring up the thrash band Extreme Noise Terror. Okay. Um, blow everything up. Throw a dead sheep into the audience. No, did they actually throw the dead sheep into the audience? Because I read it differently. I read it. They uh, wanted to. They wanted to dismember the sheep or on stage, but the extreme guys were like not gonna have they weren't gonna have that. So I read that they ended up leaving the dead sheep outside an after party with a note. Yes. Yeah, you're right. That is what they wound up doing. And yeah, truly no one wanted extreme noise terror to be there other than Bill Drummond and Jim Cotty. It was. <laughs> it is a bizarre performance where they reminded you that in addition to having been the biggest pop stars in the world for the whole previous year and a half, they are still not so much celebrities as a ongoing weird performance art piece about the nature of celebrity. And that you need to remember the difference between the two or else they will rip your face off. Just kind of pressing the reset button and going, yeah. hey, no, this is what we are actually about. <laughs> so yeah. so if we piss off makes, enough of you in, in it mainstream. It simultaneously makes me love them a hundred times more and is deeply uncomfortable to watch. Well, I'll be good. <laughs> 
It'll be better than watching like the roast of like Justin Bieber or something like that. Those those can get uncomfortable too, but but so good. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so we'll, we'll add that to our YouTube channel so people can actually watch the event as it happened. So what happens after they do that? What is it? What's out there in the press? Like, is everybody shocked and appalled? Well, the press is starting, I guess, to turn on them by that point. Um, <clears throat> this is, uh, they go back into the studio with Extreme Noise Terror to work on an album that never comes out called The Black Room. Oh. Uh, they nail a million pounds to a plank of wood and attempt to auction it off as a piece of art. Okay. They take another million out to an island, set that on fire, uh -huh. and, and film the whole thing. Um, they, yeah. they do a $40,000 award for the worst artist in the UK. Okay, and then, explain, explain that. For, so they're looking for the worst artist in the UK? <clears throat> or... Yeah, essentially, um, I believe it was the Turner Prize mm -hmm. uh, awards £20,000 to the best artist in the UK. So they announced £40,000 for the worst and then give it to the same person. <laughs> okay. They, they then, if you're wondering um, whether they're know it they know what they're doing or not they then reform our band again contribute one song to a charity album to help kids in bosnia okay. and then go right back to imploding that's so fucked up because like here's the thing they light a million dollars a million pounds on fire which they could have probably given to charity but no we're just gonna burn this fucking money but don't worry, we get we're gonna do we're gonna do this one cool thing. Yeah. So they, so they so they're not they're not total dicks. Like yeah. <laughs> they're doing they, something cool. They want they want to help people, but there's also yeah. a creative statement hmm. about commercialism in art That's that they're in the middle of making. And they're not gonna let that stop them from setting money literally on fire. Also, uh, I would thrillingly um recommend the song they put on the help help album uh that tune was rad as fuck say that again which song um i'm gonna play it it's the one world orchestra um off the help a charity project for the children of bosnia album
that uh, that record was really good. All of the uh, classic mid '90s British indie royalty showed up, and the only rule was whatever they recorded, they had to do in a single twenty-four hour span. Oh, yeah, sounded really good too. Like Radiohead's first version of "Lucky" was on there. Uh, Portishead did a track. Suede covered an old Elvis Costello sh- song. Uh, Stereo MCs were on there. Manic Street Preachers were on there. KLF was on there. Sinead O'Connor. Like, just... If it's 1995, Mm. anybody you can think of in that realm. Must have been a very successful album. I would presume so. I bought a copy. There you go. Uh, Now... I but listened yeah. to one song of theirs, and I wanted to ask you if you're familiar with Build a Fire. The song Build a Fire. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one's sweet. That one that came up in my playlist. Um, and it had, it had elements, because of the guitar work in it, it had elements of like, like a country music kind of sound as well. So I'm just wondering if that came out before or after the collaboration with Tammy Wynette. Um, I believe before, because Build a Fire was on the White Room. Hmm. And the Tammy Wynette number uh, came out a year or so afterward. Okay. Which of the albums is the album you would recommend for somebody who's never heard the KLF before? Oh, it's absolutely White Room. Like, they made a really big commercial push with that in order to get all eyes on them. Mm -hmm. It is the most accessible that they ever are. Mm -hmm. And the most traditionally musical it was their biggest album because it was the one with the giant hooks okay i like the the phrase like uh what did you say um like accessible that they were accessible yeah um, through, through that Otherwise, and they are everything... kind of they are kind of a spiky group who can be hard to get into hmm. so the one year span where they were building a pop audience in order, it turns out, to knock that audience down intentionally. (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing, though, is, like, when you do something like that and you're trying to make the statement that they're trying to make a creative artistic statement, who are you insulting? Are you insulting the establishment or are you insulting the fans? Are you insulting the people that spend all the money on you? I mean, I don't think you're insulting the people who spent the money on you. You're inviting them to take part in this elaborate piece that you're doing. Like, are you have a very if you have a very shallow relationship with them, then the fact that they're doing something completely different than what you thought that they were doing won't be relevant to you. You have a very shallow relationship with them. They got Mm -hmm. like four dope singles that sound great at a house party. Enjoy them like that. If you're willing to Uh, dig a little bit, weather fans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But if you're really invested in the band, you're going to be like, oh, shit, yeah, guys. Why, why? <laughs> why is there a mythology to your music videos from this thing? Why is there a post-apocalyptic wasteland and some kind of ancient cult and a weird mishmash of different cultures? Why do the guitar players have horns? Why is Tammy Wynette revealed to be your queen in part four? Mm. I must take a moment to briefly point out something, too. There's two versions of the song Justified in Ancient, um, two different singers, of course. Um, the one that I'm going to play for you right now, just a quick clip of it, so, so you can hear her voice. This is uh, 
Maxine Harvey on the vocals. And this was the All Bound for Moo Moo Land version of the song. different lyrics there too and they don't want to upset the apricot they don't want to upset the apple carts i can't tell anyways then klf gets together with the queen of country music tammy Wynette, and they make a historic hit single with the exact same song a few alterations rewritten a little bit but check out this is the tammy version Now, on our YouTube channel for Dope Nostalgia, we save all the featured artists, some music videos and clips that we talked about on the show. Go check them out. We've got a clip from that Brit Awards performance of the KLF. We also have the music video with Tammy Wynette for this song. And I really recommend taking the time to look at it because it's so cool. It's awesome. I mean, they put on, they keep scrolling across the screen all her accolades, all her awards, all of her hits. Like they just, and she's a queen. It's amazing. Check it out. Back to the conversation with Lindsay. The garbage bags. Weren't they wearing garbage bags on stage? Uh, I believe at one point they were wearing garbage bags on stage. Yep. Do you know why? I don't. I truly do not. There is so <laughs> much going on. What is going on with the number 23? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't notice the number 23. Their first single, All You Need Is Love, was catalog number Jams 23. It was 23 years between Tammy Wynette's Stand By Your Man and her version of Justified and Ancient. Jim and Bill wouldn't discuss why they had burned a million pounds until 23 years had elapsed. Their reunion in 1997 lasted exactly 23 minutes. Copyright Liberation Front has 23 letters in it. Their comeback 23 years after burning the million pounds was at 23 seconds past midnight to launch the novel 2023. I don't know what Who it means. Who figured this out? This is the Who kind of the math. 
This is the kind of band that lends itself to uh, conspiracy theories. Ooh, yes, that's true. Speaking of which, I'm going to drop a promo right now for It's a Conspiracy, my buddy Andrew's podcast, because that just is, that leads in nicely. <laughs> Ooh, that's a fact. It's a conspiracy. conspiracy. It's a Conspiracy is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network and happily powered by ATB. We are a bi-weekly podcast that aims to discuss selected conspiracy theories, alternative accounts, legends, myths, and more without coloring the topic with our conversation until the very end of the episode. We also feature beer reviews, lame jokes, bad puns, far too many 80s movies references, geek culture, and general nerdery. Our real aim is for fun, inclusive content that doesn't take itself too seriously. You don't have to be blisteringly paranoid of mind control to enjoy a chin wag with your old pals, Greg, Charlie, Andrew, the Irish Madman, and our podcast puppies, Kylo and Ren. It's a Conspiracy is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Try to look through some of the other notes I took here. Of course, we were speaking about the orb. So the orb is a project that happened much later. Do you know uh, approximately when that would have been? I can pull it up here if I. Uh, I mean, use, I va- use the internet. I vaguely remember it being roughly contemporary with um, with bands like Basement Jacks or Chemical Brothers or Fatboy Slim. Okay. Yeah, but you know, I'll admit I'm less um, I'm less familiar with the Orb than I am with their work from about like Doctor and the TARDIS through to Help. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when they were doing all of the weird, interesting work. These visually intense. Okay, apparently they. In the live shows of the 90s, the Orb performed using digital audio tape machines, optimized for live mixing and sampling before switching to laptops and digital media. So they had colorful light shows and psychedelic imagery in concert, and these visually intense performances prompted critics to compare the group to Pink Floyd, whose guitarist David Gilmour collaborated with them on an album in 2010, Metallic Spheres. Ooh, I would would listen to that. Yeah, if you're a Pink Floyd fan, too. Yeah. There you go. So the Orb is still sh- out there doing a the thing, hey? Because they put out 15 albums, with the last one being released in 2018. Yeah. That's the great thing about um, electronic music. Is that you don't have to age out of it. Like, you don't have to. You're a dude sitting behind a computer or arranging samples. It doesn't matter what your image is. It doesn't matter. Like, like what you look like personally doesn't matter. Throw on a fucking helmet and be dead mouse or whatever. You, you know, it doesn't matter what you look like. Um, I don't think, I don't think Jimmy Cotty is in that group, the orb currently, because he seems to be listed as a past member. Um, Alex Patterson is still running it up, and he was the original member with Jimmy in 1988. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Jimmy and Bill are doing now. Now, that's that's the question. What's going on with them now? Well, they definitely have a book out. 
Okay. I have not I have not read it, but I kind of want to. They reunited in order to launch that book semi-recently, because 23 years after they burned the money, that's 20, I want to say 16, 2017. Yeah, very recent. Yeah. So they're still doing stuff. It's just that anything that they do together has to be willfully perverse and anti-commercial. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I bet I'd listened to the chill out album before coming on to chat with you. I got about 15 minutes into it and I was like, I don't, I fucking don't like this. <laughs> it was not for me, the chill out album, but I said, you use the word ambient to describe it. Yes. There was a lot of like, like weird noises that just kind of went on for a long time. <laughs> and I was like, eh, I'm not digging this. Sorry. Yeah. I reached the uh, I reached the age in my music snobbery where I decided that it was time to finally get into Brian Eno. Okay. And like the man's a genius, but you got to be in a real specific mood and not need for very much to happen over the course of this music. <laughs> to get no instinct, in no instant gratification happening. No, you will not be humming any of this, <laughs> but you will probably be more relaxed than when you started. Okay. Oh, and that serves a great purpose. Yeah. But I don't think I was relaxed at all by that uh, chill out album. All I could say was, what the fuck? Like, yeah. I don't know. There's some weird noises happening. Like, it sounded like I, I can't even describe what was happening, but I was like, okay. Yeah. All right. And this is definitely different than, than Justified and Ancient. And this is what they followed up Doctor and the TARDIS with. Like, they put that out. It hit number one. They obviously got sued. They <laughs> released a book on how to have a number one hit single with very little money or talent. That's right. And then their big follow-up play was an album of ambient music. Mm -hmm. Hey, at least they've gone out and tried all the different things. They didn't ever succumb to what the record label wanted. None of that crap. They just did stuff they wanted to do. And for that, I salute you, gentlemen. Commend yeah. you. 100%. That's true. I will say that. There was no catering or pandering. No, they were following a deeply weird muse that may or may not have liked their fans very much. But they were following the shit out of that muse. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's a, they're definitely the type of group that would definitely have a Fairweather fan, the one that just liked a couple tunes that were on the radio. Yeah. And then you'd think the rest of it was like, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> yeah. And I think they're definitely the kind of band that allows you to do that. Like in addition to dig deep into the weird mythology that sounds like it would be a pretty good 90s B-movie. Mm -hmm. Like... I the justified ancients of Moo in a post-apocalyptic wasteland led by Tammy Wynette fighting yeah. to either rebuild or destroy what's left of humanity. Well, it's a huge story and each video seemed to like lead into another progression of that story. Now, who are the actual, besides Tammy, of course, who are the actual musicians who are doing some of the singing? Um, like, I, I remember the guy who was doing like the raps the in, in, like what time is love and all all that all those tunes the rappers were ricardo de force or isaac bello depending on the track 
Okay. These are the guys I think I need to reach out to. I've tried to reach out to uh, both Bill and uh, Jimmy and nothing. Uh, they're hard to get a hold of. They're hard to get a hold they, of. They're not what you'd call accessible. No. Yeah. No, no. Like, uh, I can't even find an email address. No. Yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the way they want it. But I think maybe finding, maybe I'll, I'll reach out to the guys who have been involved with the band, who who did, like, the actual musicianship, the vocals, yeah. and see if I can get some of them to come on the show and talk more about what they experienced during my yes. time. See what those rappers are doing. Yeah. See what Extreme Noise Terror is up to. Okay, I'm going to write them down, too. Extreme Noise Terror. And then they can tell us all about that Brit Awards. <laughs> With the, with the dead sheep and the fake bullets. Such a great show that I will never watch again. I want to see audience reaction. With like, what were people saying? What were they looking like? Were there shots of their faces? I guess I'll find out when I check it out on YouTube. Yeah. I appreciate the Brit Awards. They got... Um, a funner vibe than North American award shows in that I'm pretty sure a larger portion of the performers are drunk. Yes. <laughs> yes. They totally are. It's like the golden globes all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, yeah. American award shows are very like staged and like calculated to the minute, what you're going to say, what you're going to do. Don't, don't deviate from the plan. Yeah. And when they do, you get Kanye West. <laughs> Whereas, like, the Brit Awards, you know, come to watch your favorite band receive an award. Stay to watch the dude from Pulp get arrested for stage invading Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that was Jarvis Cocker, right? Yep. I remember that now. Oh, yeah. Shit. Now, what song was that? I think I actually might have had that on a VHS somewhere. I think, oh, it was some. So you just wandered on stage while Michael was performing? Well, he, yeah, he had several, (laughs) he had several drinks. And then Michael Jackson came out dressed like a Messiah figure and surrounded by literal children. Oh, yeah, right. In the midst of the first go round with Michael Jackson some accusations mm-hmm. and I guess part of Jarvis just went you know what fuck it I'm I'm famous <laughs> enough I'm famous enough this year to walk this off but I probably won't be famous enough next year to walk this off so I better do it now hey no bad publicity that's like, fact publicity is good doesn't matter if it's good or bad it's good it's all good um, but yeah, we should and talk as we, about, and as time goes by, we learn more and more about Michael Jackson, <laughs> even after his death. Um, yeah, we should talk about Pulp one day. I don't know if you're a fan of them. I am a gigantic fan of them. Okay, keep that and in mind, Ned. We should we should do an episode on Pulp. Yeah. Also, um, tying it back to KLF, a band that kind of imploded their career intentionally because they tried being pop stars and realized they didn't care for it. Mm -hmm. 
Because have you listened to This Is Hardcore? No. No, I just heard yeah, the singles. It was, it was their follow-up to a different class, and it is one of the most terse and paranoid-sounding albums I've ever heard. And it is... Lyrically? Lyrically, both? Melodically and lyrically? Wow. Some, yeah. And it is gorgeous. Like, it's a gorgeous record. I think it might be my favorite pulp record. Yeah. But they've definitely abandoned a lot of our their we-make-mainstream-pop music for the 90s. When I think of pulp, the, only, the biggest hit single must have been Common People. Yep. Because I can't think of another track by them. But I do remember that Blur and Pulp had like one of those like boy band wars. <laughs> you know, you know, it was like because they were both big at the same time. And it was kind of like, oh, who's cooler? Who do you I love? That, I know that uh, Blur and Oasis were constantly at war through the 90s. Oh, really? Was it that? Yep. Maybe I got that wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pulp and I think probably Suede were the third parties for whom you could vote. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. I thought it was pulp and blur. No. Okay. It makes more sense of blur and oasis because of the fame levels. I get it. I get it. And all the girls love Damon Alburn because he's so cute. <laughs> I mean, Damon Alburn is aggressively cute. Yeah. All the mid 90s girls are not wrong. Yeah. To have well, wanted remember. to get up on there. Wasn't it? Uh, it was him and it was uh, Gavin Rossdale. It was those two men at that time that were that were all so cute. I mean, the dude had some cheekbones. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, we'll we'll do definitely. Let's do a pulp episode sometime. <laughs> Maybe and get somebody from the band to come join us. Maybe. I would love to thank them for making art that I like to their face. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, it'd be really good. <laughs> Ah, um, so I don't know. Maybe we'll reach out and again. We'll see if we can get Bill or Jimmy to come talk sometime. But there you have it, folks. That's pretty much like the history of what we know of the KLF. Um, what else is going on? What else can we can we plug right now? Well, we've plugged my show. We've plugged your show. Yes. We've yes. plugged your friend's show. Yes. Donate some money to a shelter. Yes. Buy a nurse a beer. Buy a nurse a beer. It's very easy to do and it's very popular right now. And a lot of the local breweries are supporting that as well. It's like five bucks, if that. Some of them yeah. are cheaper. You know? Yeah. They are having, like, they're saving lives. They're having the hardest time ever, but they're saving lives. So, yeah, do that. Buy a nurse a beer. And listen to KLF. They're not on Spotify, but all. Four of their music videos are definitely on YouTube, and they're insane. What do you think about? Do you think they might be on Apple Music, or is it they just? Might. I'm not sure. No. And I, if any, if all else fails, you go on YouTube and you search them, and you'll find everything. That's exactly right. And the videos that I found on YouTube were very much taped off the TV during the 1990s. Yes, they like, probably have tracking lines all over them. Like when they uh, when they said we're deleting our catalog, they were not fucking around. You had to listen to KLF during 1992, or they did not want you listening to KLF for some reason. How do you physically delete your catalog in an era yet where 
we the world is far enough along into technology by this point that we have all of your back tapes. We have we have everything to to have it on record that you did this. So how would you physically delete your back catalog? Um, I mean, you can legally keep it off Spotify and Apple mm -hmm. uh, as a rights issue. It's not being sold anywhere. Every copy of any KLF record, you got to go to a secondhand place. Right. So it's just, that's it. It's not being manufactured. Yeah. Yeah. There's not new copies of it being made. Holy shit. My dog is eating my $200 headphones. Give me one sec. Okay. Quentin. Our buddy Munzee had to go. Um, he had to go rescue those awesome headphones and we weren't able to finish completely, but we, we got to the point. We got everything wrapped up nicely in a, in a nice bow and uh, he saved his headphones. So yay, it all worked out well. Check out uh, Chris Monroe's podcast, A Soundtrack to a Life. You can check out his social media as well to find all the links you need. Munzee Munzee Munzee, I believe is his Twitter handle. Next episode, we're talking to Scott Henderson based out of Calgary, and he was a member of the hit acapella group, Earth Tones. So check it out. We're going to uh, enjoy a nice conversation with him, and I want you guys to stay safe, stay home, take care of yourselves. We'll see you soon. Hit up our Instagram, dope underscore nostalgia. You like Twitter better? That's cool. Nostalgia dope. Or shoot us an email, podcast at gmail.com. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.